This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened, where we discuss, explore, and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello, empaths. Welcome to the show. We're going to be discussing animals and how to communicate with them and help them heal with our guest, Joan Ranquette, today. She is a very accomplished animal communicator, an author, a TEDx speaker, an educator, and animal guardian. Joan believes the capacity to attune to animals and work with them energetically is not a gift for a select few, but an innate ability we can all access with guidance. She teaches down-to-earth skills that enable her students to communicate consistently and confidently with animals. Her clients include hundreds of thousands of animal guardians, animal trainers, barn managers, veterinarians, sanctuaries, wildlife rehab, therapeutic writing centers, as well as everyday pet owners. And her newest book, which we're going to be talking about today, is Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. So welcome to the show, Joe. We're so happy to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Can you start us off by just sharing with listeners how you first recognized that that you were Dr. Doolittle? <laughs> I always say that everybody can do this. I'm not special. The only thing that was special, I guess, is that once I learned how to do it, I knew that's all I wanted to do. And so I just practiced and practiced and got great at it and then stayed very busy. But I really believe everybody is born. We're all born this way. So my journey started, I grew up with horses and I was kind of that crazy horse girl. And I, you know, went off to college and I actually studied theater and then I lived in New York and um, somewhere in there, my sister got sick and I moved back to the Seattle area and she had a brain tumor and she eventually died. And so I didn't go to New York. I went to Los Angeles and when I did that, I got a horse because I knew that there were lots of horses in Los Angeles and this horse became my absolute soulmate. I didn't know you could have a soulmate horse, but it was perfect for kind of the recovering from grief with my sister. And I also was very interested in my sister's illness in alternative healing, but there was no room for that. You know, nobody believed in that in 1986. So I seemed crazy. And um, anyway, so I just, you know, moved through my grief and joy in life with this beautiful horse. And so I bred her, and the night that she gave birth, 
she got very, very sick. She colicked. And if you know anything about horses, that can go, range from just a gassy tummy to death. And unfortunately, she was on the death side of this. And so I raced her to the horse hospital and they did a surgery. But from that moment on, I had to separate her 12 hour old foal from her. And I was then, I would suddenly was the mother of a foal and I had to bottle feed him. And so anyway, her surgery, it was successful, but in the end she succumbed to like, you know, adhesions and a number of other things. It was about a two, two month process. I never got them back together, but I did bring her home for a minute and then she was back in ICU. So it was, it was this, with her, I ended up really doing all the energy healing. And with him, I was bottle feeding him and living in a stall. And I had used an animal communicator and I'd learned a little bit about it. But the next thing you know, I'm living it, you know. So anyway, it was a long journey. And then ironically, the horse, one of the horses I have now, who is 36, and I've had her for 33 years. Um, she's the one that put it over the edge. I went, she, I was having problems with her. I went to call the animal communicator and that I'd learned from and used. I couldn't find her number. And the next thing, the next day there was this flyer about an animal communication class. And that was it. I mean, literally that was it. Wow. That's amazing. It's almost like you were led each step of the way through your grief process, but also to really open up this special ability to communicate with animals. And I, I watch some of your videos online and you do it so effortlessly and concisely and you come out with really specific things that I think everyone can validate right in the here and now, which is which is unique for some animal communicators. Often you'll get information about their personality or maybe some of their anxieties, but you tend to give very specific things like you know, about their birth or about their, their habits or their nickname, which I find really, really impressive. Well, thank you. I've, yeah, I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's funny when you said that I was led through it. In many ways, I always say that, that you know, the universe gave me, you know, dropped an anvil on my head. It was there all along for me to do. Yeah. And, it's so uh, true. And you often see that awakening come out of a traumatic experience, which which is unfortunate, but at least some some good comes out of the, yeah. those difficult times, you know? Definitely. For a lot of our listeners, and I'm putting myself in that category on most days, animals are much easier to be around than humans sometimes because they're true and they're very, they're like little tiny people. They're just honest and true and genuine. I work as a medium, but I connect with animals. They come through the same way for me as people do because I see them as individual little souls. I see them as individual personalities. Do you find that you get a lot of unique, the, the unique traits because you do connect with them as individuals rather than as a species? Oh, yeah. I mean, I always say that learning telepathy is like learning French. It's uh, except the difference is we were all doing telepathy at birth. And so to connect with a dog or a cat or a horse, we're kind of going back to a skill set that we've always had. 
I liken it to that we have a telepathic muscle and it's like if you rode a bike as a kid and then you didn't ride a bike for 20 years, but you got back on, you have muscle memory, you know, you're going to remember part of it. So it's pretty easy then to tap in, but it's the trusting it and all the other things that come with, with a lot of this work, as you know. Yeah. That's, that's really a difficult piece is learning to trust it. But I think it's often accompanied by validations. I have a really good relationship with my little Yorkie Lily. And I've learned that if I just project an image of something I'm thinking, like walk or treat, rather than saying it, if I just visualize the image of us walking and I I just like a bubble and I picture it going into her head. She'll like run over to her leash. It's it's crazy. Like I've showed it to my kids and they're like, oh, I want to try that too. And so I think sometimes you can try it and have those little validation experiences. But, you know, we recently lost her little brother, another Yorkie, Charlie Brown, and he was filled with anxiety. He was a rescue and just had separation anxiety. And none of my, and I'm not an animal communicator like you, but none of my attempts to communicate with him that way worked because it was just like he had buzzing going on all the time. Are there any tips for anxious dogs? Absolutely. Um, I just wrote a book called Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals. And um that's certainly one. I mean, there, there are lots of things you can do. And I believe that body work is, is really kind of the number one. So stroking from the top of the head all the way to the end of the tail, stroking from the top of the head down to the hind legs and almost saying like, I need you to be in your little body, please. And then, you know, so just a lot of things like that. And then the EFT, emotional freedom technique tapping is almost like I call it an energetic body work because it's working on acupressure points. And so you're doing body work on the one hand, but acupressure is very energetic because acupressure points are connected to meridians and those meridians are connected to organ systems. And those organ systems are connected to emotions in Chinese medicine. So we're really tapping into basically a technology that, has been working for thousands, 6,000 years. And each of these specific points in the EFT tapping sequence are built for calming. You know, there are lots of acupressure points that are to cleanse or tonify or to stimulate, but the points that we specifically use are calming points. Okay. So what would be something someone listening to this right now could do if they have an anxious dog or cat sitting with them? What's a, what's a point they could, they could use? Well, there's a whole sequence of points, but I would start with inside of the eye, trying to find a dog to demo on (laughs) outside of the eye, under the eye, under the eye is so calming and and it's and it's weird because you would think that they would think that they're you're poking their eye but it's connected to stomach one which we all know anxiety is one of those things that is emotional and energetic as well as it becomes physiological so this point under the eye is so powerful um if they're not freaked out the top of the head is a great point But really doing the sequence together and and saying something like, I'm anxious, I'm anxious, I'm anxious. 
and just getting that out and then like, oh, but this minute I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm safe, you know, and moving it into, it's like you're telling a bad story with feel good points and then you're transitioning into the outcome that you want. It's a great suggestion. So would that be useful for so many dogs in particular suffer terribly for with fireworks, with loud noises, with you could use those techniques as well, or would there be a different sequence that you'd go through? No, it, it's all the same. And it, oh. and it would be like, I'm scared. I hate loud noises. I'm scared. I'm scared. I actually have a YouTube video uh, on my channel um, where it's just for beer fireworks. And every year I put it out all over social media and people do it and they have, you know, they have success. And it's the trick is to start doing it a little bit before like the 4th of July or New Year's Eve and get the animal used to those points. And eventually the animal is going to start coming over to you being like, uh, could you do that thing, please? And then the next thing you know, they make it through the evening watch a movie instead of being on the bathroom floor. I find that a lot of pets pick up on our energy. Like if I'm feeling happy and calm, the four-legged friends in my house tend to be happy and calm. But if I'm anxious and running here and there, they tend to be anxious and running here and there, which I find interesting and frustrating at the same time. Because when you need them to be calm is when you're running a thousand different things in your head. What are some things we can do for us? Like when we read your book, could we apply some of those tapping techniques to us so that then it would trickle down to our friends? Absolutely. And I actually, um, I want to unwind that whole thing. Our animals, some animals don't pick up on all our stuff or they look at us and go, oh boy, there goes Joan again, you know? (laughs) And so the trick is that one of the things I always do is say, this is stupid people stuff. You you do you. You be the dog. Hold that couch down. Get me out in an hour. You do you. And then if that doesn't work, sometimes I, I've been known to like just put my dog or my cat or my horse in a bubble. Almost like to keep them safe from me or from whatever else it is. So I'll just envision that I put a bubble over them. And You know, they do definitely pick up on our stuff. And they also, a lot of that is they may have come to us with their own stuff. So then we are compounding theirs. So one of the best things you can do is stay on top of helping them to be calm, confident, safe. And for you to be aware, myself included, us to all be aware of where we're getting a little too messy And just like literally saying, you know what, this is my stuff. You don't need to take this on. Yeah, just letting them be, letting them be. And just saying it out loud, right? Like this is stupid people stuff. They usually go, okay, I don't need to be. But if they don't know, like, oh, should I be wound up with you? That's what ends up happening. Are we going to freak out together? Okay. (laughs) That is so validating. That is just so validating because I will say if I'm in a off mood or frustrated or something and the dogs will give me that look and I'll be like, no, this is mine. You didn't do anything wrong. You're good. 
And they'll they'll just like lay back down or they'll be like, oh, isn't that sad? She's doing that to herself again. So I think that when we can treat them like they're just another living being in our, because we're their pack, we're part of it. So when we interact with them like they're sentient beings, I think it makes a huge difference. Well, and then the opposite can happen from that. So then when they get wound up, we have more of an on off button for them, right? Like when I'm sitting here and all of a sudden my dogs erupt into barking and I mean, I've got three, so they erupt. I can come running out and be like, Oh my God, you're right. Another dog walking by. Okay. Thank you. And then we're done. (laughs) So it's, oh this is your world okay i'm coming into it oh oh and my world is crazy you don't have to be in this you've written that a lot of us subconsciously tune into our pets without even being aware of it what are some ways that we can recognize when we are tuning into our pets well you know every animal communicator loves to use this story and it's the it illustrates perfectly what goes on so if you think about all my couches are dog beds. But anyway, let's pretend I was that person that didn't let my dog on the couch. And I said, you know, get off the couch. And then I'd walk out of the room and I'd think, oh, but when I when I go into the kitchen, she's going to get back on the couch. What will, will she do? She'll get back on the couch, right? Because this is what's going on in our mind. And so going back to what And he said a moment ago about the idea that, oh, there she goes again with her her stuff and that we're the leader. So animals out in the wild are constantly tuning in with each other, right? Like, And they're looking to the leadership. And so they know what's going on. And based on, oh, the leader's calm, they're, you know, and, and they do telepathy all day long we don't realize that we're always sending messages. So that whole confusing thing of saying, get off the couch, but picturing, get back on the couch. We do that with, oh, I wish my cat wouldn't pee outside the box, right? Instead of, I wish my cat would pee in the box. I wish my horse wouldn't spook at the garbage can. I've just sent the picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so all these things, the, the main thing is t- to really start picturing the outcome. And if it's something really big, get a dog trainer or have an, you know, get an, get a team, you know, animal communication. And like, I'm thinking of like dog reactivity and things like that, right? Like you want to find out why from the animal communicator, get a dog trainer, and then maybe even do something like the EFT, the emotional freedom technique. But always picture the outcome you want. Like, I want to walk by those dogs peacefully. I have an exuberant dog. I want all four feet on the ground when guests come in. I want, you know what I mean? Like, you just have to start. And it's not negative or positive emotions, because I don't think there's any such thing as a negative emotion. I think it's all about picturing the outcome and being really proud of them for doing it or being very relieved that they're doing it. Like if you're gonna attach a feeling to it, it, it's more like the joy of we're doing this together or good for you, you know? But 
always picture that outcome. It's a great suggestion. It's like manifesting with the secret. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> with your dog. Now, if you could find me a million dollars, that'd be awesome. Anyway, <laughs> go. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm trying not to put my own personal bias and judgment on this. I have strong concerns about my own personal opinion about medicating animals because they haven't had training or they haven't had the time or that they've been left alone too much or whatever. And I do understand that some, because one of the big things in your book is about mental health issues for animals and that they will absorb that energy from us, from their environment. What is your take on using Prozac versus making sure the dog is getting enough exercise? And I know for some dogs, that's not the end all and be all. Yeah. It's tough to get some pit bulls to go on a hour hike, right? Like hundred percent. Yes. My dogs, I don't know if you can hear them. Pant. They're all passed out because we went a huge hike this morning. Here's what I think about it. I think that we send kids to school for, I don't know, like 14 years. And then they often will elect to continue and get further education. And so we're setting up basically not educated people, but good citizens. We're, we're, we're creating citizens through school. We don't do that with animals. And I don't know why. I don't, I don't understand how you don't have a list of like five dog trainers. My friend the other day with small dogs said to me, you know, I should go to the park at four in the morning before work because I'm afraid that coyotes out here, we live out. And I said, well, why wouldn't you just, keep your dogs on a leash. She's like, oh, they don't know how to walk on a leash. I'm like, what? Right? Like my, my mind just like blew open and I, I tried not to have judgment. But the idea that some of the basics aren't done and yet we, we do this for children is beyond my comprehension. And at the same time, I also understand that everybody has circumstances, but we have to set them up for safety and success. And so how would we do that? And it, so all of that said, that's that's my fundamentals, right? Like, of course you do training. So from there, if somebody's in a situation, let's say they have done training and they don't know, you know, they have a, a, an extreme circumstance, then I would say if you could use it as a temporary thing, and all the while you're going to create some sort of psychopharmacological herbs that you're using in addition, mm -hmm. and doing all the things, and then you're taking the Prozac down and bringing the herbs back up and creating new neuropathways in that time, mm -hmm. then it's, it's okay. As long as it's a temporary fix and you're, you're moving toward that that outcome you want use it in the same way you'd use anything else and that's does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense so using it as a tool because i i think maybe i'm wrong with this but i think they want to behave they want to feel like they fit in they're they want to know that they're loved and they nobody or no animal i think enjoys getting yelled at or punished or any of those things because of behavior that they may not feel in control of. Yeah. And I'll say this also, if we took out the idea that they want to behave, 
and understood that they're trying to conform to what it is that we need and none of it is natural behavior for them. Exactly. Then we'd have a different conversation. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. They're just doing them. They're not being good or bad. They're just being them. And we have expectations. And if we're not clear about our expectations, then how could we punish them for something, you know what I mean, that's, that's not even in their realm? Like when they walk out, they smell something, they pee. Now, thankfully, nobody pees here. <laughs> you know, it's because I worked really hard to train them to go outside, right? And that is, if I'm going to have expectations, I've got to put the work in toward that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, so true. So in, in your book, you talk about this emotional freedom technique that a lot of people I think are familiar with, but for some who aren't, can you give like a basic definition of it and, and how people can at least start to open their mind to using this with their pets? Yeah, so if is basically, like I said earlier, tapping on acupressure points in a sequence. And you're really basically telling a charged story, a tough story, a challenging situation, an emotional situation, or you're expressing about a relationship in all the ways that are challenging. And then you're moving through to the outcome that you want all the while you're tapping so i always say you're you're tapping you're telling a really bad story while tapping on feel good points and then eventually you're tapping on the outcome the favorable outcome and when you're tapping on the favorable outcome you're also almost installing it right like i'm safe i feel so good i'm so comfortable you know all of those things so you're really installing all those feelings of safety. So validating the challenge or whatever the situation is first, and then moving to the outcome you want. And yeah. Okay. Go ahead. And are you using two fingers, three fingers? Does that matter? That doesn't matter. Okay. Because um, like your Yorkie, you probably barely get a finger. Yes. <laughs> I'd use my pinky. <laughs> I'm so happy. <laughs> um, yeah and and a lot of people in the new age um will say oh i don't want to feel negative emotions well again there's no emotion that's negative right like if you're really angry that's absolutely your gps to tell you that i still have some healing to do so let's work through it it's not going to go away just because you don't want to feel it it's only going to you know it's like mold it's only gonna grow grow yeah so let's get it out in the open what about older animals that might have patterns pretty strongly established i can see where you just being consistent would seem like that would be a big part of it sending out the and i, I have a one of my dogs is nine and she she's she's a bossy boots she's got she she thinks she wants to be the alpha sometimes and sometimes I'll say, Grace, we're not doing that today. We're just not doing it that way because she will push the envelope. So with an older dog to get them to, um, her, her thing is the barking, the obsessive barking, especially if my sons come over to visit. She gets so excited, out of control. 
what would be some techniques with an older dog? Still the same process with the EFT? Yeah. What do you think? So what do you think is the, um, uh, what breed is she? She's a Corgi. Okay. All right. So Grace, she's a bossy pants. What do you think is the underlying emotion there? Do you think it's just exuberance? I think it is with, yes, because with one of my sons, that is her favorite person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And, and she just, you know, how some dogs, they just glom onto one person and they say, that's my person. So I can see that, but she will, I've noticed it even when we're out for walks and we live in a rural place, but we still run into people that she'll, she'll want to run right up and let them know she's there. And, and we've worked on that. We've worked on, you know, staying on the leash, not jumping, not doing all of that stuff, but sometimes the barking gets really excessive. And I know it's breed specific with the, the corkies have a lot on their mind. Yeah. Okay. So I would start out with, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh my God, there he is. Oh my God, there he is. There he is. Oh my God, you're so stupid. You're not letting it go. And then, and then recognize, ah, I'm so frustrated. Oh, look at, she's frustrated. Maybe I can calm down. I can calm down. I can calm down. I can calm. I'm calm. All four feet on the ground, right? Like that sort of thing. She is so tuned into him that he can be 20 minutes away. I have no idea he's dropping by and she'll start and she'll start like looking and she'll be starting to wiggle and do all that stuff. And then he'll show up and I'll say, how did she know he was coming? Because she's so connected to him. We, I love this because um, I always talk about the morphic resonance the um, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake wrote a book called um, Dogs Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. And he did an experiment where in London, where he had time stamped cameras for all the people at for the animals at home and all the people in their jobs in London around around London. And instead of having them leave at like four or five in the afternoon when they normally left work. They left at really random times, like 117 or 207, you know, and as they got up, the minute they got up from their desk at home, the dog went to the couch, went to the door, did exactly what you described, because we are all connected. And we have, you know, like our, my home is three dogs, three cats, and I've just added a fourth horse and then we lost a cat and I gained a horse. So it's just the way it goes. I'm sad about the cat, but you know, can't live without keep adding horses. Anyway, we are a connected field of energy. We are, that's what our family is. And if I go, I take people on wildlife trips and when I go away, I just stay really calm about, what's going on at home and I don't check in because I know that if there was something wrong, I would feel it and I would call, but I just try to maintain that. Like you guys are good. The house sitter's more fun than me. I just saw a tiger, you know, like (laughs) make it all very, it's all good. Um, But we're all connected, right? We're our home is a morphic resonance, our workplace. Like we've got many different circles but that home sphere is is the most important. So true. Now, 
in the work that Denise and I do, we tend to get pretty common questions, right? People want to know about love, career, health, that type of thing. People who are coming to you, what are some of the common questions they're coming to you with? Well, nowadays I'm more, I'm a school. I have, a, I have trainings from beginning to certification in animal communication and energy healing. So I'm not working as much as an animal communicator, but a lot of times I would say the most common are, you know, the, a lot of end of life stuff, you know, how's my animal feeling? Is today the day? Um, another one is my two dogs don't get along or why is my dog, my dog is so sweet, but on the leash, he's horrible and he's terrorized the entire neighborhood. Why is my cat not peeing in the box? Why is my horse not jumping? Why is my horse so scared on the trails? Those sorts of things. That makes a lot of sense. And so are the answers to those questions, do they tend to be unique for each pet or do you see common themes? Well, they're, uh, they're unique to each pet, but I did break down a lot of the themes in the book in terms of like, what does reactivity look like? And I don't like to use the word aggression. Reactivity could be territorial, could be dominance, could be like resource guarding, could be um, an old experience that they're just protective automatically, could be a million different things. And I broke it down into like 10 different things for reactivity and even peeing and marking, I broke, broke it down. Um, but still you have to, you know, talk to the individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I recently talked with some people who have, they lost an older dog and they were dear friends and the dogs had grown up as best friends. These people were best friends. So it was a real community um grief to mm. when this dog passed and the woman she she articulated it because i've always said that my my animals i had before i had human children still hold a very special place in my heart and the way that she put it she said and all of my animals have but it's just a different energy and she said i think it's because they always need you they they don't grow up they don't become completely independent they always need you to be there for them and i love that that analogy but i but i also i i've been thinking a lot about animals being the ultimate healer i've had animals that have gotten me through some of just the hardest times in my life that i don't think i would have gotten through without them so do you see do you feel that animals come to us as healers as to help us get through these situations? Well, I think that they also have their own karma and trajectory and wounding and healing and needs with us. So I think it's a pretty mutually yeah. beneficial situation, but absolutely. And I think that, um, and our contracts with them, I, I mean, I feel like at least in my own home, like this horse that just moved in last week, right before a storm, he, I mean, he, this morning I put him out separately and the other guy horse who's been really kind of mean mm-hmm. um, and I've done a lot of tapping, um, <laughs> called to him when he couldn't see him. So I knew I was on the right path. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it, this isn't a terrible situation. It's normal. They just have to get used to each other. But what I'm, what I always experience is that basically animals kind of move in pretty elegantly right and it's not not that tough and 
therefore it's obviously whether you believe in past lives or not familiar yes therefore we're doing it again mm -hmm. here we are doing it again and this time i get to be the one that helps you or you get to be the one that helps me but we're doing it again that's how i always think of it i love that thank you yeah and because you know i mean maybe a squirrel might come by and know how to help you but for the most part um that particular dog in that particular time of your life would know exactly what you need mm -hmm. and that's born out of familiarity mm -hmm. and that what you mentioned earlier that telepathy that empathic connection that energetic bond that they they feel what we feel we feel what they feel if yeah. we're willing to to put the time and the effort into being open to that yeah and it's so rich and and to what you were saying about the um kids i have a um tedx talk and it's about the rainbow bridge crossing over and in it i say you know animals don't grow up and go to college they're never going to go marry a, a jerk and they're not going to vote differently than you so it's <laughs> <laughs> so we always have this like great thing the bond between us and our four-legged friends is just so amazing. I always have this image. A couple of years ago, my family and I, we were out on the on our boat and I swam out to the boat to grab some, like the cooler and some more supplies for our lunch. And this huge wave just came and like knocked me down and I was fine, but you know, it, it was a big wave. And so I keep swimming out toward where we had anchored the boat and I hear my kids yelling for me and I turn around and my tiny little Yorkie Lily was swimming through all of those waves to get to me because she was worried something had happened to me. And every time I get upset with her because she's a bossy boots too, Denise, like yours, I think of those little paws making her way through this vast ocean and my heart melts. Anyway, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show and open us up to this idea of a really wonderful and profound way to help effect healing with our pets. Can you tell people how to find you and about any events you have coming up? Sure. Um, so my website is J-O-A-N-R-A-N-Q-U-E-T.com. And I have all year round, I have classes on animal communication, energy healing, couple times a year, I take people on wildlife trips. So all of that is on my website. And I have a YouTube channel, same youtube.com slash J-O-A-N-R-A-N-Q-U-E-T. And I have a really fun Facebook group where people can learn a lot called Learn to Communicate with Animals with Joan. Perfect. Thank you so much. And your new book is called Emotional Freedom Technique for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We've really enjoyed this time. Thank you. I've loved it too. Thank you so much. And thank you for opening people's minds to how much more a relationship with our animals can be. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.